I know. I'm trying not to watch it because right, I don't actually want to know when it starts. Yeah, because then the next thing you know, you're like, okay, now we gotta act like Olivia. Right, like that's weird then. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't, don't want to be weird. I don't want to be like the and normal introduction of like, hello, welcome to Parababble, and tonight our episode is... Yeah, no, that's just weird. Let's be serious for a minute. Wait a minute, are, you are recording, aren't you? Oh no, we're not going to do that again. What? No. Okay, we're really How on. Did we miss that? We're really on. It's oh. Parababble. Oh. <laughs> with your hosts. The hosts with the mosts. Hostess? Yep. Hostess? You want a cupcake? No. We're already off topic. I'm, I'm in the plus size. It I didn't move on. We haven't even gotten to the topic yet. It didn't take long. Well, um, I'm Allison. I guess we're going to do this the right way. I'm Jeff. I'm Rob. Wow. That's, that's a, a first. I was going to say. Probably like 35 episodes yeah. that we actually introduced mm-hmm. ourselves. Like, People correctly. have probably been listening to this thinking, thinking that you guys are each other. And then the they're going to be one. like, oh my God. No, you're the quiet one. His name is yeah. really Rob. They're like, we haven't heard him at all until like episode 70 when I got microphones. <laughs> <laughs> well then, so what are we going to talk about today? We're talking about third man phenomenon. Is that a sport? Or third man and factor. M- manufactor? Factor. Factor. Yes. Okay. It's referred to both ways. It is. Mm-hmm. I've never heard about this. Me neither. My dad told me about it. <laughs> so none of us heard about this. That's how professional we are. Listen, I got a text message from my dad, and he was like, you should do a Parababble episode about this. I'm telling you what, we're going to have to pay your dad, like, royalty fees I know. and stuff. Because he's like a researcher for us now. I know. <laughs> his name comes up. Every time he hears his name on here, he yeah, wants, he's like, like, X amount of dollars. Did you ever do a show on this? No, we haven't, actually. He's our source. <laughs> I know. But the scary thing is, is that he's listened to, like, every single show. So I don't know how he keeps track he's of it. He's the only one. <laughs> no, stop that, Jeff. <laughs> All right. So seriously, this third man factor third man phenomenon so it's, you guys uh, had not heard of this before no. were you surprised it's like a real thing like a documented occurrence like it really happens with people we're gonna start with yes i am at least i know rob has a lot of questions i yeah but we'll get to that yeah at the end of that thought i'll wait to say i think it's a bunch of right because i have whoa okay <laughs> so for those of you that aren't so familiar with it, like we weren't when we first started researching this. So this is basically, it refers to reported situations where people feel a presence of some sort. And it can be male or female, even though it's called the third man factor. Um, it doesn't always, at least people don't always think it's male. But right. Right. Um, basically a presence comes when someone's in like a very stressful or tragic situation to kind of help them through it. They're, they're extreme moments yes. like, where they're like facing like death. death or the possibility of things really going wrong. Right. My question is, if you're one person and you're at this and you see that other person, wouldn't it be the second man? Yeah, but I think it's just like, so you want to know how it got its name? Because I actually know this because I did research. Do you know how it got its name? We do not. Well, I did hear one story about... How it's just all messed up and they just kind of lost count or something like that. No, <laughs> this is like a real story. So it comes from you guys have heard of T.S. Eliot before, famous mm-hmm. poet, you know, yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. So he wrote this poem called The Wasteland. And the poem is about Ernest Shackleton's 
Antarctic expedition in 1916. So if you've watched, you've probably seen like a documentary about this at some point. This is like when they went out on this ship and it got stuck in the ice in the Antarctic and they had to get off the boat and like walk through the ice and try to find help before they all died. Yep. So um, Shackleton originally wrote about the experience, like his account of the journey. And he wrote that at times there seemed to be um, the presence of a fourth because there was actually three of them. So when T.S. Eliot wrote his poem, The Wasteland, he changed that slightly so that he took some liberties and he said there was a presence of a third and that's how it got to be known as the third, third man, man phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I... I did read up on that story. So Shackleton's group had to go through like treacherous, really rough terrain, over mountains, through ice, all this stuff to try to get to help where they finally ended up at like a whaling station. Right. Um, But that's really where it comes from. So at times when they were trying to cross this really rough, rugged terrain, he had said that he felt the presence of a fourth person with them. Like egging them on, helping them to get through it. I'm writing more questions as we go. So with that uh, in mind, uh, so they're, they're extremist, obviously, because they're going through all kinds of things to get there, probably very little water, if food, if anything. Mm-hmm. So, so you they're, think they're just hallucinating? I'm not going to say that right now. <laughs> I'm going to hold my uh, opinion till the end of the podcast. But I, uh, he's not the only one. Uh, um, he actually opened up the doors for a lot of other people to talk about this because mm-hmm. they all thought they were crazy when this was going on. And once he started to tell tell his story, people started to catch on. Like Char- um, Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh, I mm-hmm. believe. Yeah, he he had a ghost in his plane that he was talking to on his world flight. My 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 question. Well, Rob, we're gonna probably go there a lot sooner than we have to. Yeah, are you making it up in a sense of this is gonna keep me going? I need to talk. Is this my mind talking to me mentally and my mind kind of answering me back? Right. Saying, okay, all right, two more miles. Okay, you got this. Well, two more miles. We'll do this. You know, and you just have that conversation, that internal conversation, and you know, I could see. I could see where they might be experiencing this this phenomenon because you got to figure not only is your body detaching your your brain is letting itself go in a sense it's losing some of its what do I want to say not capabilities but it's if our brain can only use so much capacity mm-hmm. we only use a percentage of it but if it opens up to a whole nother like realm of understanding that we've never seen that very easily can explain some of this where they're seeing this because they are so out of it you know patients are dying they spot a lot of people that come to them right that could be something in that nature i would say so before rob starts asking all of his his questions i know what you're saying because i kind of was thinking about that too when i first started reading accounts of this because most of what i was reading was about like people that were doing like some kind of extreme sport or hiking or you know fell off a cliff and broke their back and crawled to get help and because this voice like helped them get through it i mean 
And my first reaction was, well, is that just pain or people, you know, hallucinating? Mm-hmm. Is it hypothermia? Because two of the stories I read, one was about a woman that got stuck in an underwater cave, and another one was about a guy who was um, ice climbing with his buddy. But then I came across an account from a guy from 9-11, and that really kind of made me think about it a little bit differently. So you're shaking your head, Rob. Did you read this account? I had heard of it, yeah. Did you? I did not. Okay, so... Ron DeFrancesco said that he was being led out of the North Tower, um, I'm sorry, the South Tower on 9-11. And basically his story is he was on the 84th floor. He worked for like a, like an accounting or brokering firm or something like that. Um, and the North Tower was hit. So when that happened, obviously everyone in the South Tower started to panic. There was an announcement that was made. And it was like, listen, it's only the the North Tower. Don't evacuate. You guys are fine. Go back to your offices. Because people had already started to try to get out of the building. So he had originally tried to go down the stairs. But when he heard the announcement, he started heading back up to the 84th floor again. So as he's doing that, the South Tower gets hit. So now he's in a situation where... He's not really sure, like, what's going to happen. He's trying to get down the stairs. Everything is, like, slowly filling up with smoke. And he is having trouble breathing. So he gets to, like, a place, you know, I don't know on what floor he was on. But he says that he basically laid on the floor, like, spread eagle to try to get his head, like, as close to the bottom so he could breathe because there was so much smoke happening. And he was seeing, like, other people do this, too. And he started to think, like, oh, my God, I'm going to die here. Like, I'm never going to get out. And as he's talking about this, he says that he heard a male voice tell him, get up, you can do this. So he says it wasn't just a voice, but he also felt like a physical presence. And he felt that someone had like tried to lift him up and was starting to lead him out. Now, the crazy thing about this is that other people, so he starts going like an alternate way. Other people are still trying to get down, like right. everything's jam-packed. And he starts to go through like fire. Like people, and he said that this is not something anybody would have ever done. Like who goes directly into the fire to try to get out? Nobody would think to do that, Mm -hmm. right? So he goes through the fire, he gets singed, and he says, like, I would not have gone through that to try to get out unless this presence had been there with me, like telling me this is the way to go, like leading me through this building. That's a big gamble. So exactly. So he even at one point sees um, like some of the firefighters And he tried to go out one way, and they were like, nope, just go this way. So he goes out, he gets out of the building, and he was literally the last person to come out of the tower before it collapsed. Okay, so with the third man being like, you got all kinds of like energy and chemicals pumping through your body. Could that, could this third man phenomenon be a, um, an angel, a spirit guide? Um, Well, some people think it is. I mean, in that case, that sounds like some something or someone intervened right. to say, hey, well, follow me. You're exactly right. So this is the only thing that made me kind of think about this differently because the other cases, like I said, maybe hypothermia is setting in. You're hallucinating. You're Things in so much down, pain. Right? Your brain is playing tricks on you to, like, help you relax because you know what's coming, you know, or that fight and flight syndrome where it's like you're either going to get up and try to live still or you're just going to let yourself die, you know? Right. So could these things all have been a factor in the other cases? And I was like, yeah, this is totally explainable, right? Science. 
Science. But then as I read this account, I was like, okay, we've talked about guardian angels before. We've talked about something, some kind of presence intervening, Mm -hmm. protecting people at the moment of like accidents or things happening. So is there more to this? Is this not maybe just a physical response that your body's having? I just with the two stories, like the um, uh, Shackleton, Shackleton, is it? Yes. Going through the hills and the mountains and the valleys and all that stuff and frozen tundras to get where he had to get. Seeing that third person, he's like following and going that way, and it probably keeps his focus. So I would almost, I, don't, I think in a sense like that, uh, he's his body is shutting down or doing something. But like with the, the World Trade Center, with this gentleman... I think it's something higher that stepped in and maybe, maybe when we have moments of clarity where our brain goes past the percentages that we use, these are the same thing, but in such different scenarios, your mind is shutting down to so such a low point. We're out in these hills freezing or hypothermia or whatever's happening that your mind is just like, it's freed of all the junk that's in there and it's only seeing it's going to the next stage the next you know what they can see in the world trade it's the opposite your brain is shooting so past everything it knows and you're hearing stuff you're seeing you're being told to go this way it's two sets of extremes one really really low that opens your mind and one really really high that you just went through a wall i Well, I kind of agree with you on, you know, the explorers and people that are having this kind of thing happen. But what made me, I'm kind of thinking about it differently. So maybe spirit is around all the time. We just can't. And we are just not, we brush it away. We don't pay attention to it. There's too many other things going on in our head and we don't open. But when this person had nothing else to focus on except living or dying, maybe that's when the veil was finally thin enough for him to receive the help. Because, I mean, think about it. People pray on a daily basis, right? Like, oh, my God, please, Lord, help me, blah, 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 you know? Or give me a sign that I should make this choice and not the other one, you know? And a lot of times people don't get what they're looking for. There's too much clutter. Maybe there is. Too many brain waves happening. Maybe this was, like, just that moment of clarity. Right, and think about uh, people in hospitals that are on their deathbeds but they're still able to communicate and they're seeing other people Mm -hmm. you know uh, whether it be strangers coming to help or family members they they see coming in spirit form that's because everything else is cleared out of their head they can open up and go to that next level they can finally like let go they can let go and there's people out there that can use x amount of percentage of their brain with this going on see now it's interesting that you just said that because maybe i'm even still thinking about it wrong like when we talk about people that are dying and how they're letting go because they know that like the inevitable is coming, mm-hmm. maybe that's what happened to this guy at that exact moment. Maybe he was going to give up. He was just calm in the in the knowledge of I'm good. I'm going to go. die here. Right. This is how it's, I'm going to go out. And his he was so open to it. Everything else got shut out. That was one of my questions. What you have a lot of questions. I have a lot don't of you? questions. Okay, so, so let's get to your questions because obviously Jeff and I are open to this being. A possible real thing, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, coming in here, I didn't think it would be. 
but since we've sat here and had this discussion for 20 minutes, I'm thinking uh, <laughs> it's definitely something I didn't think of because you triggered the, made me think about the whole spirit guide thing and stuff. So, but fire away, Rob. So yeah, I mean, we brought up the good point about people like when they're close to death, they see spirits, mm-hmm. whatever. That's an actual scientific thing called a DMT. It's a chemical that gets released into the brain when you're near death, but it doesn't cause the kind of reaction it did for this guy at the World Trade Center or any of these other people, really. It um, gives them, like, a feeling of euphoria so they don't, like, freak out when they're about to die. It's like almost taking, like, LSD or shrooms. But my question was, could there be a similar reaction in the brain in a situation like that where it's, like, life or death, not just death? Or life? Well, what would be, mm-hmm. what would be the extreme of, I mean, this is all, so what we've come with is everything is close to death. And it opens up our mind, to be clear, in those ex- situations we were talking about. But you're saying in life, like... Like it's an extreme situation. You so know? any extreme situation. Yeah, well, like a life or death situation like this. Near-death experiences, almost. How about this? Um, there's been reported... No, that's... See, that's strength. You know, people like flipping like small cars over to get them off of people because uh, at that moment they have a rush of adrenaline and mm-hmm. they see a situation that could really be bad and they use it yeah. to save a life. Yeah, like a reaction like that. that yeah. You know, that. can be explained, but, I mean, these situations are so... And I think it might be the... few between. But with the life thing, I think that's going to be a lot more push with... Ah, see, I can't even say that. Push with energy, like, you know, trying to save something other than yourself. I mean... The situations we gave were about, you know, fighting off death, figuring you're going to die here. And if it's a chemical reaction, then you would think every person in that scenario would have the same reaction. But we all don't operate in the same capacity brain-wise. And that leads me to the other question of, if it's a spirit guide or spirit, how come only one guy had it happen at the World Trade Center? How many people died That we know of. Yeah. That we know of. Because there could have... There could have been other people that didn't come out with this story because you don't, whether it's something that brings up a tragedy to them and they don't want to talk about it, or people do hear something like this, they probably say, oh, they're nuts, this is what's going on. It was just, you know, build, the floors are collapsing and there's fire, there's fumes, all this stuff. It's a bad mojo. And anything you say other than, you know, whatever the truth was, people are going to take apart. Well, it's like, it's like in a ghost hunting. You know, people look at you and go, oh, you chase it around, chase like thinner in the air, you know, and they look at you like you're crazy. So maybe some of these people, you know, didn't want to do that, or they're in such shock that they don't totally remember everything that happened. They were just fighting for their life. They're in a different mode. And things blocked themselves out after. Or even after the, as the tragedy is occurring and the floors are going down, people live. You block that out. I would imagine you have to block something out. That's traumatic. I mean, that's life-changing forever. You say you don't forget something like that, but I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Does that put you in a disbelief spot or? Kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's something, but. To say it's a spirit guide, it's like, well, why did the spirit guide for just this one guy? Well, know, how many how many people get out though? You know, like how right. many people survived? How many times have you heard people on like um, 
deserted roads and they're hearing a voice and somebody's talking to them and then leading them on the way to something or something. Mm -hmm. And when they get there, oh, no, no, that's not happening. It never happened. That, that person was never around. I mean, there's so many different little triggers, but I think the point with this whole third man thing would be it's driving <clears throat> ordinary people in the extreme situations to go to that next level in their, uh, their brain. And look, if I'm freezing and I know I think I'm going to die, who knows what I'm going to be thinking. So just because you just made me think about that, I wanted to look it up. So with a window of 16.5 minutes, um, it says that 1,400 people successfully evacuated the South Tower, while roughly 600 people did not. And you got to think that there was people that died as soon as mm -hmm. the plane hit the tower. Yeah, right. So chance. some of those 600 people... Didn't even know what happened. Up, it says up to 200 people were in the sky lobby on the 78th floor waiting for elevators. So that would be part of that 600 people. So 1,400 people survived. But it's tough, though, because, like, sure, I could say, why just one person if it was a spirit guy? But if it was a chemical reaction, why just one person? Right. To have a chemical reaction. Because I understand that not everybody's mm -hmm. brain works exactly the same. I mean, that's why people right. have, you know, mental health or, you know, are smarter than others. I don't know. But you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If the overall thing that happens is relatively the same based on a physiological reaction that your body has, then you would think that it would be more common. Uh I mean, we didn't research it. I mean, we're kind of going off a, onto a straight topic, but are there any books or there any autobiographies mm -hmm. out there with people saying that they had these such experiences happening in, in the middle of them trying to survive, you know? If they saw an angel or a spirit guide or something was pushing them a certain way to, to do this instead of that. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, we know one story. There could be hundreds there's like a handful of stories and it's just the other weird thing too i suppose to be my own skeptic and pick up her both sides of myself here i guess you know on the stories where there was like three people walking up the mountain or whatever it was if it's a hallucination how do they all have the same hallucination well that was the other key to this how do they these all have other the people same, were watching the same thing how do they all have the same spirit guide right too I mean, in how well, it could be an angel. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody's specific spirit guide. What if it's a friendly ghost? Well, it could be someone, like you know, like you said, Ali, like a Casper type. Like, follow me. Yeah. I'll get you there. So and the third man factor is a book that's written by John Geiger. I don't know, G E I G E R. Geiger? Geiger? Geiger. Um, yeah, so he wrote a whole entire book. It's a whole collection of all these different stories of people that have had this experience. Now, that's interesting. He actually has um, Ronti Francesco's uh, story in here, you know, among others. But it's called The Third Man Factor, Surviving the Impossible. So I'm wondering if he got anything off of uh, the World Trade Tower. Not to just circling on that but any type of horrific tragedy that occurred where some people lived and some people perished i mean you have to think about it too so this guy followed the voice right mm -hmm. 
I'm sure that if other people heard that, they wouldn't follow the voice. Well, who Especially knows? if he's like going through walls of fire to get out. I mean, think about it. You would be second guessing that. I'm sure a lot of people would second guess that. Like, mm, but in split seconds. Maybe I should go the other way. But split seconds. That's the thing is that he made the decision to follow where he felt he was being led. But I'm sure that if that happened to other people, they might not have all reacted exactly the same. Because uh, you have to trust in that. Could have been mistaken somebody saying, come this way. With, if there was a lot of people running around yelling and screaming, trying to fight out. you and It's a possibility. I mean, right? Anything is a possibility. But the way that story is told. But the way he, he recounts saying, it, he says that he felt a physical presence help him up off the ground and start to lead him out. He said that nothing was holding his hand, but it felt like he was being led by the hand. Yeah. I, like I said... It'd be interesting to uh, check out this guy's book and see if he pulled any stories from there or stories of survivors, period. I know that's totally off topic, but it kind of fits into what we're trying to talk about, um, that third man phenomenon where we're seeing things that are um, leading us to safety or out of danger somehow. Um, there was a gentleman <clears throat> with all this happening out in Switzerland. His name was Olaf Blanke. Um He stumbled into... Uh, experiments that he did to see how this third man phenomenon was being set and he replicated this in a lab setting and what happened was he figured out okay so this is this i'm going to read this out because this is coming straight from the reader's digest um olaf created a device the subject was asked to draw a pattern that was then replicated on the subject's back with a slight time delay hmm. are you smiling because you saw this um, no, well, I saw something similar, but not this. The, the scientists determined that the delay with the subject's movement and the mirrored pattern caused the person to misidentify the source of sensory and motor, <clears throat> motor input, essentially. It caused a disconnect between the body position and senses to create the eerie feeling of a ghost in a room. So, however, this gap of time, this delayed reaction that in-between space caused that feeling of seeing or feeling a ghost. Now, could that be happening when you hit hypothermia? You know how many times you heard people say, oh, I saw, I don't know, Grandpa Frank come. He was there, and, you know, you're out of your, you're out of your head. But if you can duplicate something like this, that's, that holds some water in my book. I mean, they're off on how they're thinking, you know? The two aren't the two aren't in sync, right? And maybe there is something in that in between space. Well, there was a guy, Stanley Corin, that also developed this thing called the God Helmet, uh, which was an experimental apparatus originally called the Korean Helmet or Korean Octopus after uh, the inventor. So, this guy. Um, Michael Pressinger decided he was going to study temporal lobes and he was going to try to use this God helmet to see what could potentially happen or not happen. So reports by participants of a sensed presence while wearing the God helmet brought public attention and resulted in several TV documentaries. Um, the device used in Persinger's research in the field of neuropathy, pathology, the study of the of um, correlations of religion and spirituality 
the apparatus was placed on the head of an experimental subject and it generates very weak magnetic fields. So basically there's a couple different theories about what happened when somebody put this helmet on. One is that the left side of your brain and the right side of your brain work differently. And depending on which side you're more dominant on, they almost call it like a, an other self that there's a possibility that when one side of the brain is overstimulated that you could have a feeling of a sense of something else being there. I don't know if I'd buy it, but that's one of the things that came out of these experiments. They also talked about how this visitor experience, as they called it, could be replicated um, based on doing something called interhemispheric intrusions which again involves electrodes disrupting different patterns in your brain. Uh, but you guys are gonna like this. Persinger, one of his theories was that paranormal experiences, feelings of having past lived lives, felt presence of non-physical beings, ghosts, muses, and other spiritual beings are just examples of this interhemispheric intrusion. Nice. So there is no such thing as the paranormal. The God helmets also, the God helmet experiment was also intended, though not specifically designed for, um, validating the idea that religious and mystic experiences are artifacts of temporal lobe function. So, the crazy thing about this whole thing is that he did all these studies with this helmet that was created, there was these documentaries that were done, but other people then tried to recreate this mm -hmm. because when you do an experiment, that's what other scientists do, right? They try to recreate it. Or debunk you or whatever Right, and it see is. if the same thing can happen. And numerous other scientists tried to do this and couldn't get the same patterns and experiences that Persinger did when he did his experiments. I... So in the science field, this is really not anything that they put into... You know, they don't really look at it like it's any kind of critical information. Yeah, but why not? Again, everyone's different. Everyone's uh, body, we work on electricity. That's our flow. Most reports from Persinger's lab consists of people sensing presence. Um, people often interpreted these to be that of angels or a deceased being known to the subject or a group of beings of some kind. There were also reports in which participants had experienced what they perceived as God. Uh, Persinger reports that at least 80% of his participants experienced a presence beside them in the room, and others reported less evocative experiences of another consciousness or sentient being. So, I don't know. Well, you're working on electricity, right? So... Right. And then when they did try to recreate these, other people said, I just feel slightly dizzy. I feel quite strange. <laughs> you know, I have like a weird sensation in my limbs, changes in breathing, you know. So the it's like, I don't know. You can believe this or not believe this. But okay. it doesn't, if it was so, if it made so much sense and it was such a good thing, then you would think they would have been able to replicate it time and time and time again. It almost sounds like electromagnetic fields. I know. Is that what you're gonna say? Sorry. You're gonna make us fight. Well, it's around. like going in the basement. All right. Mm -hmm. All you kids out there are learning about ghost hunting. You go in the basement. And you got like exposed wires and stuff. And you feel that eerie feeling. 
that someone's watching you or you're just feeling off and a little dizzy and things just seem eerie. Well, yeah, it's the same. It almost sounds like the same effect that you're talking about, Allison. They're pumping in some electricity and it's giving these feelings that, you know, we can find naturally in the world by going to certain places and standing there and you're going to get this, like, you know, sensation that, oh, what's going on? Somebody's watching me. So in 2004, it was a group of Swedish researchers that tried to recreate this. Um, They published a study in Neuroscience Letters in 2005 and basically concluded that the presence or or absence of the magnetic field had no relationship with any religious or spiritual experience as reported by the participants, but was predicted entirely by their suggestibility and personality traits. Debunked. But Persinger responded to that and said that the issue was that they didn't um, expose the participants to enough magnetic field and for a long enough period of time that they didn't like basically give it a chance to happen is what he says. Okay. So given the chance, they probably would have had these same experiences. My question is with the other scientists that tried to debunk him and not come up with the same results. I'm wondering if, since we're all different and there's different key elements in our brains and we all work at different capacities and functionability, what if, you know, he couldn't recreate the perfect scenario and these, you know, this caused all this debunking to go on by these other scientists? But on the other foot, I feel as though, look, the three of us sitting here, we might be able to go through this test. And we're going to have all different feel, all different things going on. You get another 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 people, okay, and you bring them in. Out of those, there should be some type of character trait that might match up to the three of us. Because there's only so many identifiable, identified, um, what do I want to say, human traits that you're going to feel the same way and things are going to react the same way. So I... See, I would question that both ways because I think... I could buy the electromagnetic field idea and have that be influencing people to have this. But my only issue with that is that this has happened in places where you think there would be no EMF. Right? Like, okay, a building I could see, but you're in the middle of nowhere in an underground cave. Where's the EMF in that? I mean, we know it's naturally occurring. We know it's everywhere. But where are you going to get a spike from when there's no source of it anywhere around? Well, then maybe we have to look at your body is letting go. Your body, all the defenses that we're taught are slowly slipping away due to our isolation, due to our own thinking, due to everything. So we open up a little more. Okay, so we're still leaning more that way. Yeah. So Rob, what else do you got? What What other questions about this? I think we covered them all. Wow. Yeah, I mean, spirit guides, hallucinations, natural uh, brain chemical reactions. Ghost nations? Hallucinations. What? Hallucinations. Hallucinations. Ghost nations. I'm like, we got Friend, Friendly ghosts. That was all my questions, and it's just like, I don't know, this one's all over the place. It sounds like a bunch of crap, but then there's like questions about it, like, how do multiple people have the same hallucination on the side of a mountain? But how does only one guy in the World Trade Center experience this? 
you know, if, if the people on the mountain, the three of the people on the mountain all saw the same or right. felt the same presence, how come not at least one other person in that building that got out? I would bet piggybacked on that, that if you asked those 1,400 people if they mm-hmm. felt like they had a guardian angel on their shoulder or if they felt like somebody that had passed already had helped them through this, I bet that you would have a lot of people that would tell you yes. But is that the power of belief and how some people were raised to feel as though, oh shit, I just fell like 70 floors and I walked away with a couple scratches. Somebody was watching out for me. But not necessarily they felt it. Mm-hmm. But out of that question, how many like, yeah. no, somebody was definitely looking over me that day. Like, like you ever, literally. Right. You ever hear <laughs> the stories yeah, I like, too. I know it's happened to me myself. Like, I'll be on my way to work and I'll see a really bad accident and know, like, man, if I had just not, you know, made that cup of coffee when I did and I had left the house five minutes earlier. Well, now you're getting into final destination territory. Well, this is, this is like the kind of thing you think about sometimes, though, right? That it. Because think about one it. way or another. I'm relating it different. back to maybe there is somebody looking out for you. Maybe there is a presence sometimes. And maybe it's more subtle than yelling at you not to go right then and there. But maybe there is something to that. Because I feel like everybody has probably had that experience at one point or another. You know, you see a bad accident or there's a deer that jumps out a car in front of you. And if you were just... 20 seconds faster or slower your destiny would be much different at that particular moment let's just chew on that with that thought think about the world population and how many just misses oh yeah There's think about be a ton of them. the millions billions of scenarios where an inch to the right you're dead or you don't show up at a certain like you miss it by 10 seconds that is enormous if that was actually a full play on the world, that's craziness. Yeah. And could you see if the world was run that way? So is it your own intuition that you know something bad's going to happen subconsciously? So you do something, you go and check that light one more time? <clears throat> Divine intervention? What? Well, I don't know. What and is it? Me and my wife pulled up to a Sunoco, uh, oh my God, years ago. And I was getting out to get gas as we're pulling in. And I see this guy with a, a bag and a gun running. He just robbed the store. I was the next customer coming in. What if I got there 30, 40 seconds earlier and went in there to give the cashier money? That guy could have flipped out and I could have been injured, dead, whatever. Again, situations where you just miss it. We had to sit at a red light and it was not across the street, so we waited. I, wow, now we're just starting to really trip here and go in some really Has that ever places. happened to you, Rob? Have you ever had one of those experiences? Like, where you just like, oh, did I remember to grab that? And, like, something prevents you from leaving right at that moment. And then you hear about something else happening. Not that I can remember. I think I'd remember something like that. Or it could have happened. But, it just never clicked. You know, right. How many times do we go mm-hmm. by something not thinking, and it goes right by us? And Like, if you're driving to work and you see an accident that you know just happened because, like, the police aren't even there yet, and right. it looks mm-hmm. bad, and it's like, oh, my God. Like, that totally could have been me. Okay, so I was convinced it was total crap, but getting towards the end, <laughs> getting towards the end of this this whole idea, I I do think there is something that if we can actually clear the clutter out of our brains, 
and we're in a situation where all the focus on everything else is gone, you know, like getting home or doing this or the other, you know, whatever. If that's gone, I think that extreme situation, we can focus. I think we go to some next level. I don't know how. And if we happen to open our minds to another dimensional look, there could very easily be guides or a third man or somebody there to say, hey, you follow me. This is the way we're going. It's not your time yet. It's not your... Well, that... How many people have had um, near-death experiences, you know, without getting too far away? Mm-hmm. That say it's not your time. You come back to your body. Right. Well, when I read these stories, that's initially what this made me think of. Was like, oh, something's mm-hmm. like, it's not their time yet. Yeah. Like, they have to live because they're supposed to. Right. It's I, just I, not... I think, I think that's something that, again, we haven't tapped in the scientific world. We have to an extent... And it's hearsay, but until it happens to us and we understand it, or who knows, we get to the other side, we can see these things and understand why they're happening. And, or if we know there's spirit guides going down, you're giggling, yeah, I think you got an idea. We go down, and this is why this angel is working. This is why this guardian's working. This is why this is working. We might have a better understanding. And I mean, and of course, that's grasping straws because we're not on the other side. We can only put theories together on this side of how this might work or right. might not work. But, I mean, with what we do, I think being at least open to the possibility of something else being there, we have to think about that that could potentially happen. And as yeah. you were talking, it just made me think, like, I don't know, have you guys ever been in a situation where you think someone's called your name, but there's not anybody there? Yeah. How many times? I mean, it's happened to me at least a handful of times. Oh, you know, you don't mean old age? No. You mean, I mean, we've, I've had it happen at my house. I've had it ghost hunting. I well, this mean, is what had... I mean. I mean, I've had it happen where I could have sworn, like, my husband was home and called my name, and I'm the only one there. Or is it just a familiarity? You know, you're home. You, you're so used to your husband's voice being in there. Or is it spirit? Or is it something reaching out to try to get your attention? I had it wake me up one time. See, now. <laughs> well, I got woken up, that's, too. That's even different. This one was a little hostile. It was poking at me. Made me mad. I wanted to sleep. But. I, I, I your think, third man was like, get your butt out of bed. <laughs> I was trying to you sleep. You got crap to do. <laughs> it was two in the morning. Why are you poking at me? I don't know. I, I definitely think our brains, we haven't tapped its potential. And every scientist in this world has said that. And I mean, we there are people out there that show signs of something that's just like, how do you explain this? Yeah, well, that's what psychics and mediums. I mean, they... Right. You know, if you do an MRI of somebody while they're doing a psychic reading, I'm sure that their brain pattern looks different than mine does right now. I never even looked at it that way. That's interesting. Yeah. Why Why would it? I mean, if it looks exactly the same, I would think that that's probably something's not right with that. You would think that it would have to be doing something differently. On the medium's end. Mm-hmm. We should uh, see about doing that. Yeah, can we get a medium and yeah. put them in an MRI scanner and just Listen, see like what their brain looks like? We're gonna need a medium and an MRI um, technician. <laughs> we're gonna need a GoFundMe page for so, the insurance bill. Are either of those two things or people are listening? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why anyone's never do- done that before. Well, the MRI machine you gotta be like in that small enclosed. Space, yeah, but so. I mean, if you can connect to spirit as a medium, you should be able to connect to spirit. It shouldn't matter if you're in a grocery mm-hmm. store or an MRI or, or getting bombs of radiation. Right. Yeah. I mean. Interesting. Hmm. Wouldn't that put the question to bed for once and for all? 
probably whether not. Whether it probably exists. open up a thousand more questions <laughs> yeah. like how did this work? So if we pump people full of radiation, they're going to have like hallucinations or why they're trying to continue. Well, like, think about it. You already know that you can go through that thing and have a normal brain scan, right? Because that's why people do it. They look for abnormalities. So it's not like the machine causes abnormalities to happen. Yeah, but how do we view it? Is it unexplainable? So you couldn't say like, oh, it's the electronic right. things happening or it's the magnets or it's... No, it wouldn't affect... So you want to get somebody in in trance, so to speak, mm -hmm. and trying to communicate. Yeah, communicating with spirit, however they, they do that. And run them through an MR yeah. machine. Why not? I volunteer, Rob. <laughs> well, <laughs> well you're in spidey sense. I don't know. I'm not a medium, so. <laughs> we can make you a medium. Think about the other side while you're under there listening to that boom. <laughs> but I think we at least have to be open to the fact that this really could be a real thing. I mean, at least I am. But I believe in spirit guides and things like that. So this is not that far-fetched for me. There's definitely two sides of this fence. There's going to be the no bullshit side. That's nah, crap. Your, the brain's shutting down. Or there's going to be the side that your brain is actually open. Is that supposed to be Rob? <laughs> it sounds a little bit like me. I wasn't trying to be a little like Rob, but I don't know. I, there's definitely an open and closed case for this both ways, I mean. But ultimately, your science is going to help prove this, I think. Because I, I don't always like to go with science, but science can really give you some solid numbers on things. Science. I know. Yeah, I think science is a good thing. Yeah. Why does it annoy you? Because you can't. Because you can't scientifically fully explain it away as being crap at all. <laughs> you really can't. You can't. I mean, but, but all these but people are having these experiences. You can't fully explain it as being paranormal either. It's just one of those things that's like caught evenly in the middle. I yep. feel like it is. Well, once again, here we we have no answers to. <laughs> yeah, we something. just wasted an hour. <laughs> yeah, God. I hate it when we can't like, solve the case. We know if we leave, we know if we leave a hamburger on a grill too long, it's gonna burn. <laughs> this, we have no idea. Well, I'd be interested to know if this has actually ever happened to anybody. You know, if anybody actually would admit to it happening. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. At Parababble everywhere. Yeah, we got a bunch of new people following the page, so maybe they'll hear this yeah. episode and they'll be like, "Yeah, that totally happened to me." Like, let's hear about it because. I'd like to hear some first-hand accounts of exactly what it felt like for people. Yeah. And you, know? you got to figure, there's a lot of people who have had a lot of different extreme situations that live to tell. Right. And if you're a medium that's listening and you want to volunteer to get an MRI so we can look at your brain. And if you're an MRI technician that wants to... Volunteer yeah. your machine. Hey, we have to test the machine tonight when no one's around on third shift. Yep. We're definitely there. <laughs> I mean, I just think that would be really interesting to see what the brain looks like. I mean, you know, if you're using more of your brain than mm -hmm. I am, then you would think that that scan would look different. It kind of reminds me of that scene in Ghostbusters when um, Rick Moranis goes and he's already, like, possessed. <laughs> he's, what is he, the, the, the key master? Mm -hmm. Or the gatekeeper? The gatekeeper. And he goes to, like the Ghostbusters firehouse and they, they hook Egon hooks him up with that helmet <laughs> and you see like the brain scan and it's just the demon dog on the screen <laughs> like would that happen in the MRI totally I don't know I um, mean life imitates science right well why can't we just hook up like some electrodes to our head and just fire it up and oh my god you know that Rob's side. gonna spend his free time trying to make a god helmet now <laughs> let's Great. make a god helmet <laughs>
<laughs> this one went to 10. We're going to make it go to 20. You know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> How much electromagnetic field can the human body stand? Just Let's figure it out. <laughs> what are you doing? Come over. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like this stuff is always interesting. And I mean, yeah. I don't know how we've been doing this for as long as we have, and we didn't know that it existed. Right. I mean, I, I never knew this existed. That's until, what I really think is crazy. Until you got here. You know, third man phenomenon. I was, you know, maybe thinking it was sports or something, but guess not. Yeah, like the 12th man. That's the fans are the 12th man, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're not even there yet. No. Who's the fourth man of our podcast? Hmm. <sighs> Well, the fourth woman. Your chupacabra. Used to be Cheryl used to be the fourth woman on the podcast, but I feel like your chupacabra is probably the, the fourth. The chupacabra member. with hair plugs. Chupy, mm-hmm. chupy, chupy, chupy. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think? I think it was a good topic. I mean, All I right. can't say it wasn't. Yeah, I got no complaints. You know, thanks, Dad. Yeah. Keep them coming. <laughs> now we got that more questions. God helmet tomorrow. I'm going to put, like, lightning bolts on the side of it. When you post this episode, can you just post, like, the screenshot the, the, of Rick Moranis with that on his yes. head? Yes, please. I feel like that would be very I'll send appropriate. You, I'll send you over my picture of me and my wife and our mm-hmm. tinfoil hats. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but it does, it does kind of comfort me in a way to think that, you know, I don't know, this could really be a real thing. But if you it really got, you. Yeah, if you really got into that bad of a predicament that some kind of intervention might happen on behalf of helping you survive it. All right, I know we're trying to wind this up, but you opened up another question. What if you're not lucky? What, what, what if you're not lucky to end, well, like these people who saw this and had this, what happens if you're like, ah, oh, shit, he just went out that way? And you know what, what the saying is, you're up the creek without a paddle, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's my brain waves. You better start carrying, yeah, you better start carrying that rabbit's foot. Oh, no. <laughs> Anywho, what do you think, is rat? Think so? Parababble everywhere. Parababble at Parababble. Like, or parababblepodcast.gmail.com. Definitely. Like welcome all our new listeners that we picked up. We appreciate that. I know COVID's probably driving a little bit of that, but that's awesome. You know, we might be a little unorthodox, but we get there. Not the COVID. The new listeners. Yes. We get that way. The new listeners are all the COVID. You know, right? But feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear from you.